Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 381 of the Motorcycle Men podcast. I am Ted, your host here in the V-Twin Cafe, and we were having a wonderful interview for you today. Oh, wonderful interview. Joining me today here in the V-Twin Cafe is Richard from Janus Motorcycles. Now, Richard is here to tell us all about their bikes and their new line of motorcycles and their new motorcycle. But first... Before we get into that, the Motorcycle Man Podcast is brought to you by Scorpion Helmets. Now, Scorpion has been dedicated to offering high-quality, innovative motorcycle helmets and technical apparel at an incredible value and ensure that each and every Scorpion EXO helmet and garment will surpass user expectations. Now, to learn more, get on over to scorpionusa.com. And wild ass seats. Why ride in pain when you can absolutely ride in absolute comfort with the help of a wild ass seat cushion? Until your back will thank you, and you'll enjoy mile after mile of cruising comfort, no matter what type of motorcycle you ride. The cushion eliminates painful pressure points and promotes blood circulation by utilizing adjustable and connecting air cells, which conform to the rider shape regardless of weight or seating position. So go to wild-ass.com and order today. Make sure you tell the real Craig Johnson that the Motorcycle Man podcast sent you. And a stuck-up sticker company. Look, everybody wants stickers. You need stickers. Your fans want stickers. So get them from the stuck-up sticker company. They focus on cost, turnaround time, and quality. They care about those details, and they know you don't have much to spend and you need the most for your budget. So, the Stucker Sticker Company, let the Sticker Jesus take care of your sticker needs. And, as always, Tobacco Motorwear. For the best in casual riding gear for men and women, there's only one place you should be going, and that is Tobacco Motorwear. Visit them at TobaccoMotorwear.com, and our listeners will get 10% off your order when you use that code MOTOMEN. Hey, your safety is worth it. Get on over to Tobacco Motor Wear and get in Dave's pants. Everybody here at the podcast is wearing Tobacco Motor Wear casual riding gear. We love it. I love it. Time now for the interview with Richard. Hello, boys and girls. And joining me today all the way from the sunny and balmy state of Indiana, Goshen, in fact, is Richard from Janus Motorcycles. Richard, welcome. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be back on. Uh, I think that, I don't know if uh, you're right today. It was balmy, uh, but uh, this time of year here in northern Indiana, it's usually not. No, uh, I've been to Indiana this time of year, and I know what it's like. (laughs) (laughs) It was 55 degrees today, though. What? Uh, I've been riding my bike most of the week. Damn, you know. I am a complete wuss. I mean, it's, I'm here in North Carolina, and we had 55 degrees today, and I did not ride my bike because I felt it was too cold. <laughs> well, it was 40 degrees on Sunday, oh, and, it, and that's been warmer than it has been, and I, I did a 100-mile ride. Um, <sighs> nice. I, 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 about two weeks ago, I did a, I do these um, live stream um, events on Monday nights with our owners yeah. um, on YouTube. And I did a episode, whole episode on cold weather riding, and I thought, well, this is a great opportunity to put it in practice. Yeah, and, uh, oh my god, <laughs> show you can do it. I'm, I'm serious about it. So, so uh, it was well, a lot of fun. It was great. About 50 miles out, 50 miles back, damn. and didn't get too cold. No, well, I don't know. Did you all back ride? You, well, you weren't you weren't pounding doing any uh, 
slab work. That was all side roads, right? No, right? no. Oh, yeah. But I was moving. Define moving. <laughs> Good windshield. About 70 miles an hour. Oh, well, God, man, dude. That's like windshield like 20 degrees. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. It's all right. It's fun. How you been? How's things at Janus? I've been great. We're busy, busy, busy. Yeah. Uh, i got lots of new uh, news and updates to share, and um, we've been um, just pedal to the metal, uh, throttle locked, uh, shall we say, uh, the last yeah. couple of months. So, Well, the last time Very you exciting. were on the show was in 2020. And a lot has happened since then for you guys. A great deal. You guys have been very busy. I've been following you, and uh, I'm glad to have you back on because you got some new things going on. But for those out there who don't know who you are or what you do, why don't you tell us who you are and what you do? Absolutely. My name is Richard Worsham, and I am co-founder and designer at Janus Motorcycles. Um, we are a small uh I won't say any more newest motorcycle in the in the uh, market, but we've been in in business since 2011, manufacturing our own kind of of two wheeled motorized vehicles uh, that that are we specialize in lightweight, handmade, um, and as much as we can locally manufactured um, motorcycles that have a very distinctive um, aesthetic, shall we say? They're yes. instantly something that's going to catch your eye compared yep. to what else is on the road today so uh yeah we build the we met from our first bike was a 50 cc and then we went to a 250 cc and now our largest model is a 450 so we we really uh embrace the lightweight small displacement um category shall we say yeah damn so what made you guys decide that you wanted to build these modern classic motorcycles versus what's already out there well, it all goes back to um, my co-founder and I's love for mo vintage, dorky pedal-type mopeds. Um, that was really the start of it all. I, really? Um, as a child, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a child, I was really interested in vehicles and, and drawing them. My father is an architect, and so I was, from a very early age, exposed to hand drafting and the idea of sections oh, and yeah. cutting through things. But I was just, you know, wow. he worked... His office was very close to our house, so I was able to, I was just kind of grew up in that. And I took it a different direction than he did uh, and did more on the drawing cars and stuff like that. And I wasn't really interested in motorcycles. I always say this, and it's true, that I, I witnessed the aftermath of a motorcycle accident when I was about, I don't know, under 10 years old. And I thought, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't <laughs> hey, need to do that. Look at you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, then I kind of slipped into it. My mother... Uh, we, 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 my father got my mother an old vintage Vespa and that was fun wow. growing up riding at around Richmond, yeah. Virginia, where I grew up. And then when I went to college, I got this whim to buy a 1978, well, I wanted a moped, um, but it was a top tank 1978 Gorelli super sport, which it's really just a little tiny motors, horizontal, honestly, as far as Italian motorcycles go, very traditional, small really? displacement, two stroke, um, 65 cc it was kitted it had a cylinder kit on it and an you know, aftermarket carb and it was just a lot of fun and, I, and, and through that i met my business partner or co-founder at least and fell in love with the idea of two wheels and through that i thought then i started realizing the communities that you could build around yeah motorcycles and especially motorcycles that had this um aesthetic beauty and and that were easy to work on right. um mopeds are uniquely 
uh, appropriate for someone who is interested in working on them because first of all, they break down constantly. And second, they're <laughs> super, super simple. And so somebody like me who really didn't have a mechanical background at all um, was able to, I mean, literally take the engine apart and put it back together again without um, being an expert, like mm-hmm. building a car engine or something like that. And so it got me in. And then from there, we, um, well, we started making manufacturing parts, starting with exhaust systems. Um, and we were building expansion chamber exhausts for two strokes. Right. And that was really the intro. We started selling those to the moped world, which is actually a big market. <laughs> um, and building them for different types of, so we would get, bring in a bike and then build up exhaust system for that. And then that was in our repertoire. Now we had jigs and tooling for that. And we could continue wow. to make that. So we, we built them for all the um, major vintage brands that people have. And then through that, we started building a network of suppliers in the area. And lo and behold, I should mention that we're in Northern Indiana. Um, like we said, in, in Elkhart County in this area is the RV capital of the world. 80% of no way, RVs. really? Yep. Wow. 80% of RVs manufactured in the United States come from Elkhart County and, and the surrounding area. And so what that means is that you have a, this, this huge uh, manufacturing ecosystem and a lot of small shops that are feeding into it. And mm-hmm. so you really, I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say you can't really, once you get outside of Goshen, you can't go a mile with a, encountering some form of that ecosystem, whether it's a powder coating shop, a machine shop, a laser sandblast, wow. lots of machine shops. Um, and so it's very easy to find someone who does just about anything you need. No kidding. Um, wow. And so we built up this network and then we, we are, my dream really was always to, we've been custom, we started customizing mopeds and trying to make them look like <laughs> motorcycles. <laughs> Do you have so any I of those? This. Do you have any of those? I, I sold most of my personal ones, but we built one. I'll tell you about the one we built. Okay. Um, and, and maybe we, if folks want to look it up, it's, it's a pretty neat bike, but basically I built one and it was my version of, you know, the, the Triton of cafe racer fame, which I, is, where the cafe I, racers would, I think I'd they do. shoehorn I, a triumph, maybe they shoehorn a triumph engine right. into a Norton featherbed frame. Okay, and they made it because there were no sport bikes back then. Right, there was only production bikes, and so they would make it look like a man, um, Isle of Man PT or a, a Grand Prize bike. Okay. And so I thought oh, I'll do this. So I put a Batavus or a Pook engine in a Batavus. You don't need to know all about it, but <laughs> I shoehorned all this stuff together to try and make it look like a vintage cafe racer. And gradually through that process, we all started customizing these things. And we thought, well, I'm t- we're tired of making things out of other people's bikes to look the way we want them. What if we built something from scratch that's the way we want it? Right. And so we decided to build a run. I think the original plan was to build a, a small production run of uh, the kind of bike that it really was fascinating me at that point, which was 50cc grand prize bikes right. so like cridlers and um derby if you're familiar it's a weird class in the 1960s where they were they actually had a grand prize class for 50 cc's and these things were going like 100 miles an hour on 50 wow. cc's Eight, 18 gears to be able to get up there but they're they're works <laughs> of art they're really? like the most simple tiny and the guys riding them are like little jockeys they're just the hint the clip-ons are you know this yeah. far apart the bike about eight inches wide 
They're beautiful. You got to send and me so a link we, to them. Okay. Yeah, well, I will. And I'll, I'll show you the, the Paragon is the bike that we ended up building. Right. And it's basically an homage to that kind of motor of, of vintage motorcycle. Wow. And we, but we built it around a 50 CC Pook E50, which is like the most, it's like the LS of moped engines. <laughs> <laughs> you can get parts for it for, and you can, so we put a 75 CC kit on it. We put our own exhaust system, right. a 24 millimeter Makuni velocity stack and the thing would do about 75 miles an hour wow. um, and it's it's a aluminum tank the whole nine yards and yeah. we did it and we never got to building more than one it took us longer than we thought and it was way more expensive than we thought but we got some local attention and it, it kind of sparked our imagination we, we thought well we have the ingredients if we're if we're stupid enough which we are <laughs> to to uh build a motorcycle if we wanted to and and that really was the start of it and somehow right about that time i was i I became captivated my motorcycle juices started flowing and i started i started looking at 1920s and 30s bikes and there was something about those machines that really i mean it started with a 50 with with 1960s cafe racers and then it kind of took a hard left turn <laughs> yeah. and I was looking at rough superiors, oh old God, zeniths yeah. and yeah. triumphs and stuff like that. And I thought, well, okay, what do we got here? And somehow the first bike we built, rather than being the cafe racer that we thought would be the, the hot seller at that point, we decided to build a hardtail uh 50 cc two stroke that looks like it might be like a miniature bruff superior wow man. <laughs> but you know what when I, when I look at your bikes i it comes to my mind and i and i wonder if there was some uh inspiration that may have gotten to your head like of the early 1910 square tank harley davidson's uh and indians all those bikes that and you know, the uh Henderson, all of them, they have those square tanks sitting on top of what looks like a bicycle frame. And when I look at your bikes, I go, man, you know, that looks so close to something like that. Did that at all come into your mind? I was looking a lot at board track racers. Yeah. And board trackers yeah. really are like the epitome, I think, of that. Um, uh, and maybe you, you really bring up something there that I hadn't really thought about, which is that a board tracker is kind of like exactly like those 50 cc gp bikes it's wow, yeah, see? absolutely pared down to the bare bare minimum I mean, they don't have brakes they don't you know they're there's barely anything <laughs> that, that there's nothing you. there yeah. they don't even have an exhaust system it's just like some of them just it's like a piece of pipe that just comes out the exhaust <laughs> port blows it out the side that's it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and so um that's a good point but yeah heavily influenced by board trackers um and and then but then it was like i mean maybe we could be accused of you know people often accused if we're, if you're interested in tradition that you're a you know it's a pastiche of combination of different things and they might be right in the sense that the frame that i decided to go with on this hardtail motorcycle the front half is a norton featherbed oh wow okay the double cradle i mean it's literally a norton featherbed frame but of course the, the beauty of the norton featherbed was that it was the first bike with a really mass-produced swing arm like we right that's where it kind of that's that's it's okay mark on history and many brands copied it for decades afterwards yeah. but we had a hard tail so anyway um 
yes, uh, a lot of folks are like, well, what kind of what what bike is this a replica of, or what were you looking at? And I said, like, there is no <laughs> there one is no, motorcycle. Yeah. It's really like an attempt to make a new thing that yeah. is completely different, but that takes advantage of the beauty of these machines. And and I and in recent years, I've understood more in retrospect what we were trying to do or, or, or been able to put it in words and it's yeah. um to make something that divests itself of all the junk that modern motorcycles have accumulated yeah. and the weight that they've built yeah. um and and, and, so, and and you know i think that there's i love a powerful bike i love a big bike but for my taste i enjoy a lightweight small displacement bike with yeah. that with that as much power for everyday riding. I mean, it's more fun. You get to use the whole thing. And um, so I, I think that some of the, the modern motorcycle, the power that's available is just like, why? Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But there is so much to be said for these older bikes where there was so much involvement with the machine. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really getting uh, off the, the track okay, here. But yeah. that, was, that, was the, uh, <laughs> that was the kind of... But you know, inception of what we were doing. You know, it's interesting though when you're talking about that, about how the simplicity of bikes. One of the bikes I have in my garage is uh, my 2003 uh, Harley Davidson Sportster. It's carbureted, mm -hmm. very simple. There's no nothing fancy on it. It looks fancy, but there's none of the fa the over the top electronics and touch screens right. and none of that. It's uh, it's pull the choke out, start it up, let it warm up for a little bit before you take off, you know, and you know a lot of the uh, my my heritage, the 2003 heritage, that is the only thing fancy on that bike is it's it's carb it, it's uh, fuel injected, so I I kind of appreciate the simplicity of your bikes because of that, mm -hmm. you know. I, you know, I was at the Harley Davidson Museum back in August on my way back from Sturgis, and I, my favorite part of going through that museum was the first row of bikes was everything made before 1920. I loved it. Right when you walked in. Oh yeah, yeah. I loved it. You been there? Oh, I've been multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like that's that's where my heart felt. Like this is beautiful stuff right here. I. I this 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 is the kind of bike I want. <laughs> I want it mm -hmm. simple. So now you when was it, when did you finally first build your first two fifty yeah. Halcyon? Two fifty. Um, well, so yeah, was, was there about, was there Halcyon before about, that? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So we built for we started in two thousand eleven. Yeah, and by March of two thousand twelve, we had our first prototype, which was that fifty. Oh, wow. the two okay. stroke. 50cc Halcyon, and if you if you look them up, you will not you it will be instantly recognizable. The it's the same concept yeah. as as what we do make in our now in our 450. Sure, um, but we built about. I mean, it was very small scale production. It was two guys. One of I mean, I was more of the design, sales, and marketing, sure. and my business partner was more of the actually fabricating and really working with the network of vendors. And making this stuff happen and building the bikes. Right. And then in 2000, so we did that for a number of years. We built about 43 of those. Mm -hmm. And one bike would pay for the next. We didn't take any money. We didn't make any money. It really? just was kind of coasting along for about three or four years. And we, but we got a lot of press. 
and we built a, a, a bit of a reputation as what, this weird thing happening in Goshen. And then in 2014 or 15, we brought up, we decided we needed, if we wanted to do this, we needed to get serious and pay ourselves and start making this a real project. And part of that process would be we could not make a two-stroke anymore. Um, we had been skating under the um, the volume that EPA cared about. Um, yeah. We were making less than 25 units a year, and we could register them that way. But we knew, okay, if we want to be real about this, we got to get EPA certification, and we need an engine that can be certified. So we selected um, what we for us was a very large engine, a 250 c. Or it was actually it's 229 cc's. Um, there's a long I mean, we could really spend hours talking about all this stuff, but it's a long history behind that engine that we chose. It's still one of my favorite engines ever made. Yeah. Uh, it's a, based on a Honda design from the 1970s. It's like a, it's like a, a even simpler CB. Um, not very much horsepower, right. but it will run forever. And it's and just like a moped, it's easy to work on. Yeah. So we we launched that. We got EPA and California certification, which was a massive milestone. Um, and we started, we hired a marketing, a two, two guys that are still very active in what we do, um, to come on board and run our market, our marketing and video work. Mm-hmm. And then we launched the Phoenix, which was our, it had been in the, it was actually supposed to be the first bike we made is the cafe racer. Right. And then about a year or two later, we launched our Griffin, which is a scrambler. Right. Um, real traditional, like mm-hmm. old fashioned idea of it's a, it's basically a street bike yeah. with knobby tires, a high exhaust and a uh, little bit more clearance. Yeah. And, um, got on Jay Leno's garage. We got in the wall street journal. We got, that must have been New a York kick for you guys. Oh my goodness. It was amazing. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Boom. Right. You went, you went from here to the top right away, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was all gradual. It took a long time and it took a lot of, you know, you know, having I have a, at the time when my daughter was born, the year I found a Janet, my youngest, and so we had, we've had, uh, well, she's now the same age as Janice is, um, uh, <laughs> little ones the whole way along. So, building the trust and confidence in my family to be able to to sure. uh, say, okay, this is something that we're going to do, even with a, with a, the risks involved was was a challenge, and it always took a little longer than we thought, but, um, but yeah, we've. Uh, we, we launched the Griffin and then uh, we decided around then we, we were listening to our customers. We were building our customers. Um, we had, I think by the time we launched, we, we decided to launch our next model. We probably had 700 of the 250s out there. Really? Um, we were building anywhere from, I mean, starting off, we had like 25 we'd build a year and then it was 100 and then it was you know, 180 and then 200 and whatever. And, uh, it's basically about 25% growth every year. That's but awesome. In listening to these customers, we we learned that hey, this is a great bike. It, it works really well for two lanes. Maybe it, there would be a benefit to also offering a motorcycle that was capable, not designed for, but capable of getting on the highway if you needed to. Right. Um, and I had by this point proven that you could ride on the interstate. Uh, we've done a lot of fun, crazy things <laughs> on the 250, like in 20. I can't, 2018 or 19, I rode cross country, um, following the route of a really remarkable man, George Wyman. Yes, the Wyman. Yeah, I know all about the Wyman Association. Yeah. You know Wyman. Uh, yeah, Wyman. I, George, George was the first person to cross the United States yes. on a motorized vehicle. Yep. 
There was no road. There were no roads know, on, on, on the railroad tracks portions. and all that. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, uh, the guy who runs the George Wyman Foundation. Tim uh, Masterson? Yeah, Tim. I had Tim on the show. And we talked about. Oh, did that. you? Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. I remember that actually. Yeah. I remember that. In fact, he sent me a whole poster that shows his entire route and everything like that. And every June, I get the entire newsletter every, and I yep. read through. I, even though I've read it like a dozen times already, I keep reading it because it's too. just fascinating. Just fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. You know. So I, I made friends with with Tim, and he convinced me to do this, and and um, we followed because well, George rode right through Goshen. Yeah, in 1903. Yeah. Um, so he put a plaque on our building, and we're super proud to to, to represent that mile, milestone. But wow. I, I did that. That was a you know cross country in six days on a 250, trying to keep up with these BMWs and Harleys, <laughs> and Gold Wings. <laughs> and then since then, I, I well, I got to meet in Illinois. I got to meet Mike Nebone, the president of the Iron Butt Association, mm, wow. and I, I kind of caught the Iron Butt bug. And so yeah. for the last couple of years, I've done saddles a couple of saddle sores on Have a 250 really? so we've done around lake michigan 20 a thousand miles in 24 hours and then my my friend jesse and i we rode two halcyons to new orleans in 24 hours oh, which is a thousand you know, miles you gotta put this stuff on your website man you have i to. know well we do have some story we have a lot of stuff on youtube yes i know I've, I've been watching your youtube channel like crazy now it's just i i don't know bug got into me and i got like i gotta watch this i watched um I can't, i'm sorry i forget his name he did this his whole colorado trip I watched that. Oh, Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. And then I watched the whole California video. Um, yep. And just, it's awesome. You know what it reminds me of? I, I remember seeing pictures, and again, I, I, sorry I keep bringing up Harley Davidson, but some of these older photographs of guys riding these old 1910s in that era of Harley Davidson, and there's no paved roads back then. Yeah. You know, and everybody's riding these bikes and they're making their way across whatever. And I'm like, you can do this on a Janus. <laughs> you can easily. Do. And that's why I look at the Halcyon 450 and I'm going like, that's like the perfect bike for that. Even the Griffin. Oh, my God. But <laughs> we'll talk about that more. I'm going, I'm going off the handle here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now, now, all your bikes are hand-built. That's correct, right? <clears throat> all hand-built. Yeah. So, so, yeah, just digging a little bit to that. Um, so, because we're here in this wonderful county, which also happens, the other weird the really weird part of Janus is that we have a very large Amish community yes. surrounding this whole area. Yes. And so the, the shop, the shops that we started working with, even back in the moped days, a lot of them were Amish and it wasn't because, I mean, I didn't, I came out here to go to architecture school at Notre Dame, which is about 45 minutes West of here. Right. But, and, and then we just did this here, but we, we lucked out and, uh, I don't know if it would have been possible in Detroit or in Southern California. You know, you think of the motorcycle, Southern California. I don't think we could afford the rent um, oh. or, or find people that would be willing to work with these young kind of, you know, idealistic um, motorcycle company founders in 2011. <laughs> but, um, but we started working with a, an Amish shop, fabrication shop, wow. and we still work with them. That's and awesome. So I guess the best way to describe our bikes is that we build, it's very much like Bruff Superior. Like we focus on the chassis and the running gear. And then we use specialty suppliers for our specialty parts. Right. Um, I, I, I always joke, people say, well, you should develop your own engine. And I say, well, I'm not sure you want me <laughs> to be the one. We don't have the testing, you know, like yeah. you know, maybe in another couple of years, we will have the resources and the experience. But um, 
we're much happier to find an engine that's been manufactured for 50 years right. and that has a really it's strong tried supply chain. Right. It's tried and true. Same thing is, yeah. yeah, same thing is true of shock absorbers, for example. Really? Like, that takes a really, you know, a lot of experience and a lot of skill. So we go to the best of the best um, for that. So the, 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 the way to describe it is the specialty components we often will bring in from all over the world. Um, so our, our suspension system is from Icon, which is out of Australia. Uh, that's Kony with the letters mixed up. That's the motorcycle division of Kony shocks, if you're familiar with. It's a yeah. world-renowned shock absorber manufacturer. Really? Um, fantastic small company in southern Australia that we they build our shocks for us. Um, our engines come from mainland China, which is one of the last places you can get small displacement engines. Our brakes come from Italy, from Brembo. Our instruments come from Germany. But basically the running gear, the fenders, the fuel tanks, handlebars, forks, everything else comes from within about 20 miles of our shop. Oh, we make great. it. Um, and then uh, I guess that's a good segue into the 450 model, which we launched. And I think it was, was it been right after we were talking or was it, had we launched? It was between, it was sometime book? between then and now. Cause I know when we talked, okay, so it was after 2020. Yeah. There, yeah. There was no, there was no 450 when we talked last time. Yeah. So we launched the, the, the I think it was spring of 2021, actually. Okay. We, we were working on it when we talked, but I wasn't able to talk about it. What we developed a 450 CC version of the Halcyon and, um, uh, we decided at that time to bring the fabrication in Hez. So we opened our own fabrication shop. Right. And that's kind of a long-term dream of mine is to start bringing a lot of this fabrication in-house. Um, and one of the big success stories with that is that we actually now, we used to have our fenders made about 30 minutes up the road in a roll-forming process. Sure. Um, but we now manufacture our own fenders from sheet steel okay. and aluminum uh, on an, a vintage... Um, Polmax, which is a metal forming machine that we imported from Sweden. <laughs> oh, no. Is that like um, one of those things that has the wheel on top and you like kind of roll it back and forth? And then, no, that's that's different. So that's an English wheel. And this oh, okay. is very similar. It's actually oh, it the really? same concept. It has, a, it has a throat, but it's um, reciprocating. Oh, okay. It doesn't, it, you're not rolling it. You're right. still moving the material through it, but it, it goes like this super fast. And we installed our own in motor on it and have a variable speed drive. Oh, so no kidding. We use that to make the fenders we have a video on youtube look up janice motorcycles fender making and it's incredible it put we can bead them they're that's amazing they come off that machine ready for paint that's oh, wow. how that's great clean they are damn um and it's actually one of those weird circumstances where the roll forming mass production process we just couldn't get the quality we we're looking for and the cost kept climbing because we kept driving in the quality and this handmade process that we use now is actually less expensive. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, it's good for you guys. Now, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be cost effective for Honda, but it works really well for us. Right. Oh, that's awesome. So start to fit. Well, let's take so you so you started with the two fifty and you went to the four fifty, but you so say that yep. two fifty and you bought you brought in the now it's the Halcyon and then you brought the Griffin in. Did you it was that at the same time? So you're talking about what the well, 450 you, version? No, so you had the Griffin. Uh, sorry, the Halcyon 250. When, yep. when did you bring in the Griffin 250 into the? Into uh, it the was mix? about a, a. I think we launched the the Halcyon in Phoenix about the same time. Oh, did you? 2015. Really? Okay. All right. And then uh, the the Griffin followed either a year or two later. I think it was a year later we launched the Griffin 
Um, okay. And one of the things that allows us to have multiple models is we use a pretty modular design. Yeah. So they use uh, the same mainframe with different subframe assemblies and fuel tanks and handlebars and all that stuff. But um, we can we can get we use one engine family with the EPA yeah. for that entire model line, right. um, which allows a small company like us. So anyway, we launched the the Halcyon after that, right. and gradually that that we really scaled up the company at that point. Um, bringing a lot more in-house and upgrading a lot of, well, we continue to come up with more and more ed- upgrades for each bike. And that's another thing that I think is kind of unique about the way we approach things mm-hmm. that highlights maybe the difference and why we are fascinated with older bikes. And that is that rather than every year coming out with a new model year, that's got all these features and tech that makes it better than last year and better than the competitor. We just, gradually make minor adjustments all through the year and so it all takes it really if you were to see a 2023 and a 2024 you're not going to you literally will not be able to tell the difference um aesthetically there will be we're just constantly rolling at upgrades and because we have uh at this point we probably have 16 or 1700 customers out there around the country wow really it, it it, it suits our interests to make sure that most of the upgrades that we make are retrofitable so that we can sell them to existing customers oh, as well. There you go. That's smart. That's very and, smart. And so <laughs> it means that even back to the earliest bikes, I mean, with some exceptions, you can continue to upgrade the bike, build your Janus that's, for, no, that's for decades. That's awesome. <laughs> Which is really fun. So now, yeah. okay, start to finish, let, let's let's go with the, uh, the Halcyon 250. Start to finish from the moment it goes on the rack, you got the order, boom, build the bike. From the time you start building to the time it rolls off, how long does that take? It's hard to describe because <laughs> there's some things that take a really long time yeah. and other things that don't. Right. Um, so I would say one way to track that would be like raw material to a finished bike. Um, you're probably looking at it um, six weeks would be the the kind of but but that but that doesn't mean that when you order one it takes six weeks because we are able to manufacture chassis fuel tanks fenders ahead of time and have those in the system and then when you place your order you're looking at I mean, it, it varies depending on our demand. We're about to go mm. through, the lead time is about to extend. It always happens in the spring. It extends out. In the fall, it shortens up a little bit. Mm. But anywhere from, we don't like it to get shorter than about four weeks. Right. Um, up to eight weeks usually is like the max. Okay. Probably in May, it'll be yeah. eight weeks or something like that. <laughs> so now, okay, so that's the build process. Now, the, the whole, or, or is that the ordering process? A customer goes online and orders the bike. From that the would moment- be ordering. Okay, from the ordering to the time that it, he gets it. Yeah. About, about two months. Yeah. 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 And, and so to kind of answer your earlier question, it, it, these parts are kind of circulating around yeah. the county. And we have a big old black van called the milk van. And its job is every morning it's ferrying parts from one Amish shop to another machine shop to a going <laughs> around. And they all end up back at our de- – I'm next to the police station, the courthouse, the coffee shop, and the theater. We're – in the middle of downtown Goshen <laughs> and um, they end up here yeah. and they will, at that point we will have all the details from the customers and the customers, there's a 
very, very long list of options and upgrades. Oh, yeah. Very rarely do you f- see two bikes that look the same coming out of it. Right. Um, but they can choose from, like, I don't know how many colors we have now, a, at least a dozen colors. And then the pinstripe options are yeah. infinite. Yeah. Um, but those parts will come in and then they, they, they will be powder coated the color the customer's chosen. And they'll go to pinstripe. And once they're all ready, and everything's been pre-assembled. It takes about ten hours to do final assembly of a bike. So okay. we work on we work on about ten hour days, four four ten hour days a week. Um, it's about a day to build a bike. Okay. And so once it once it's built, it'll then probably around the next day it goes on a um, our test bench. It's certified. Mm-hmm. Um, we do some EPA confirmation testing. It gets washed and detailed, and then it's gets photographed and then it's ready for the customer to either pick up or for us to ship or deliver to the customer. How many of your customers pick them up? I'd say probably anywhere 10, 20% really? will pick them up in person. Oh. Yeah. It's a big, it's, it's really, I would highly, if you do choose to buy a Janus motorcycle, I, I wouldn't miss the, the pickup at least because you get to meet everybody who built your bike. Yeah, and absolutely. See what's going on. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of our customers will, show up to order it and then they'll come back to pick it up oh absolutely that's awesome does the build time for the 450 differ does it take longer for the 450 not really you know we've learned a lot in the process of building the 250 so when we designed the 450 it is a much more complex bike um but we we learned a lot about assembly and we listened a lot to our assembly hands and so it goes together uh about the same amount of time okay all right does the Griffin take less time? The Griffin, we build less of them. Right. So I think the, the assembly takes a hands maybe, <laughs> takes a little longer to, to do. Yeah. Yeah. How do we do this the again? They know how to do. <laughs> so uh, let, no, we, let, let's go over all the models you have. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You were yeah, going to say. Yeah. No, no. Go ahead. This is, this is exactly where I was going. Okay. So all, uh, let's go over all the models that you have right now. What yep. do you got? You got the. You got the. We have good. the flagship Halcyon. Uh, so that's a, like we were talking about earlier, it's a, I really do hesitate to say that it's a 1920s bike because it does not reference a historic period. But if you were to describe it, there would be an easy way to say, hey, it kind of looks like a 1920s Harley or a bike from then. It's right. a cruiser, it's a road going, low slung, solo leather seat with springs. It's hardtail. Mm-hmm has big kind of beach bars, a really actually surprise. A lot of customers will show up and they'll say, they, oh, I wouldn't ride a hardtail. I want to take your tr- your softtails out. And they'll end up selecting the hardtail. <laughs> that's, the most- <laughs> that's the one I do those saddle, those iron butts on. No kidding. So that's the house. Yeah. <laughs> I we sell sprung seats. Our, yeah. We, we sell, it's a lightweight bike though. That's the, that's the yeah. thing. If, if you're getting hit in the back with a thousand pound motorcycle or a 600 pound bike, hardtails can really not be great. Oh, but sure. 270 pounds it's a different story um so that's our flagship we sell we've sold the vast majority of the motorcycles we've sold are halcyon 250s that's the most popular bike um then we we came out with the phoenix which is really it's a kind of a classic cafe racer right uh kind of a dunstall knee slots in the side all of our bikes have aluminum fuel tanks kind of low slung bars a, a little bum stop kind of cafe style seat and just a classic sporty little bike. Um, and then we, 
I should mention now we actually discontinued the Phoenix last, not last, the summer before last. Oh. oh no, it was, it was last summer. We just, this, yeah, because I was going to say, built, it's not on your website anymore. <laughs> yeah. We built 79 Phoenixes. Oh, no way. Really? 79? Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So not that many. And yeah. then we, the, the, the Griffin was the next model we launched, and that's a dual sport kind of scrambler style bike, mm. high pipe on the side, a bash plate available, um, big tall fenders yep. and knobby tires. It's a classic scrambler, um, uh, kind of a scrambler style tank and a bench seat. And that one's been more popular than the Phoenix, but doesn't really compete with the Halcyon. I think right. we're in the 200s maybe with the Griffin. I can't remember what oh, the really? numbers are, but not not a whole lot of them. Um, they're still quite rare, honestly. Oh, yeah. I tell you what, though, to our listeners out there, if you're curious, you go to the, to Janice's uh, uh, YouTube channel, and there's actually a video of one of your guys doing a race, on an off-road dirt race yeah. on the Griffin, and he was kicking some butt. <laughs> That was the Baja 100. Yes. I was like, oh, my God, I'm watching this. <laughs> the the Billwell 100, yeah. He was, anyway, yeah, was he, he fascinating. Really it was fascinating watching his, him do that. His foot peg broke off, and so he was <laughs> handicapped. But um, yeah. I think we'll be back uh, with more capable machines. But anyway, um, the Griffin has been a big hit. Uh, and then the, the a couple of years later was when we decided – it took us a while to really – develop a new platform right it, it really took us two years i was working on the the halcyon 450 for about a year designing the, the the essential basic structure of the bike and then we realized hey we need to hire an engineer so we hired a young engineer straight out of uh school charlie who's also an accomplished motorcyclist and camper <laughs> yeah. he's on the colorado videos gold panning yep. um, and uh he really gave us the the bandwidth and the engineering expertise to up our game quite a bit with the halcyon and right. that second year uh helped us to to bring that out okay. uh, it, right up into developing the tooling etc for it so that was a big success for us that's a so i should say all these 250s are carbureted uh overhead valve very very simple bikes that actually meet not only EPA, but California emissions. That's awesome. Um, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, they're a little yeah. bit more manual. You have to be involved in the bike. Right. Um, but along with that, that we needed to make a bike highway capable um, with the 450, we decided this would be the time to uh, look into fuel injection, um, primarily for emissions reasons, sure. but also because carburetors are kind of becoming a thing of the past. And folks aren't as familiar with them anymore. And, you know, warming that bike up uh, is, is a little different. So yeah. we wanted a different op different option that maybe would appeal to younger riders as well. Um, and so the, the, the 450 is a fuel-injected uh, bike yeah. with uh, obviously 450 cc's. It's actually a, a dry sump engine, so it has an external reservoir. Um, and the big thing we did with the 450 house can is we added rear suspension. Ah, <laughs> um, we we, we yeah. knew um, as much as I love the hardtail that with the additional weight, power, and speed, that a hardtail really you know wasn't going to be able to like the Halcyon is so successful. 
it wasn't going to be able to, to, to do that. So right. it's a full-on modern motorcycle. It has Brembo disc brakes. It has fuel injection. It has a modern 12-volt electrical system. Yeah. Uh, but it has an aesthetic that really, um, I, I, I believe, breaks free of the, the plastic and the oh yes. The kind of, black box mentality yeah. that we've inherited from it's the a, automobile. It's a beautiful bike. I, I love the construction. It's just a it's just a pretty bike to look at. It just brings you back, you know? It's a great bike. <laughs> um now uh I, you got a new line of bikes coming out, I understand. So yes. So this is actually going to be your you're the first person we've told. Uh we sneak launched um the uh the new model last weekend at a winter moto camp up in um, Michigan. Okay. But uh, as of the time of this recording, it hasn't been, re- been released. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> but, what uh, you're talking about. Probably we hope next week that we will be launch. We will be releasing the latest addition to the 450 fleet will be, which will be the Griffin 450, uh, which is a, the, the dual sport scrambler um, version built around the 450 platform. And we're, very excited. We have a running prototype, um, which I say, as I say, was up rip, ripping around up in Michigan last weekend. Um, it promises to be pretty phenomenal motorcycle. We're really excited about it. And this is fuel injected, also. Yeah, it's the same platform, same fuel one? injected, okay. um, but it it has. Uh, we've gone all at. We really. My goal with this is to make this not just a so much of a scrambler where it's like street bike with street suspension right we want this thing to be more capable off-road so we decided to ditch our the, the 18 18 wheels that we've always used 18 front 18 inch back and go with a 21 inch front wheel and a 17 inch rear wow. so that's full-on dirt bike size you can have the full availability of off-road tires and we're dramatically increasing the suspension travel i was actually emailing our Australian suspension builder today, um, working on the dialing that in. We really, it's going to have to be a completely different suspension system if we wow. want this thing to be able to hold, to kind of compete with the other bikes that are on the market, like sure, the sure. Royal Enfield uh, Himalayan, for example, yes. would be a prime target for this um, to to go up against. Wow, you know, it's funny you mentioned uh, Royal Enfield and Himalayan because they, uh, if you watch the Itchy Boots YouTube channel. She was riding a, uh, the brand new 450 uh, a Himalayan recently, and it's it's. What's the horsepower on the 450? I, I honestly don't know. It, I don't think it was ever mentioned. Uh, I, I really no. couldn't tell you, but I don't think it's. I don't even think it's released yet. I really honestly don't know. I have to. I'd have to look that up. But this the current the current Himalayan is a pretty pretty popular bike. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, but the fact that you guys are now going to push one of these out. Um, is this the kind of bike you could do like a BDR with? Yes. Yes. Oh. That's our goal is to make this a, a, a capable. We're going to, well, it's a little different the way we're launching this. Um, right now, the way I'm talking about it, when we, when we launched the Halcyon 450, we were, we swore everyone to absolute and complete secrecy for about two years. Um, and we were very successful. Not, no images leaked. And we launched this big launch. It was like fully fledged. It appeared on the world. And that was fun, yeah. but um, then after we built it, we released this whole series of videos about the manufacturing of it. And so one of the things that we wanted to do with the Griffin is let's not do that. Let's um, like surprise let's everybody. let people come along for the journey yeah. and share in this. So part of the what allows us to do that is that we've actually developed this prototype 
the prototype came together in about a month and a half. Oh, that's quick. Um, it's extraordinarily quick for a small company like us, yeah. largely in part due to Charlie has basically been completely focused on that. And um, now we have enough of a prototype that we're going to start taking pre-orders um, immediately oh, wow. on this bike. And that would have been maybe a little bit trickier if we were a brand new company yeah. without any bikes out there to ask people to trust us. But um, we have enough of a track record that I think um, folks, a lot of our, one of the, one of our big, biggest customer, new customers are returning customers that come back and get a, a second bike. So I think we'll have plenty of folks that already have a bike that are like, okay, I want, I want one of these as wow. well. So we're really excited about it. Um, and we're really also excited to, to do what I'm doing right now, which is kind of let folks into what we're doing. And yeah. It hasn't even been painted yet. It's raw. It's like lucky right now. It's really wow. cool. Is, does the bike have enough dirt time to solidify its reliability to say, yeah, let's go ahead and start pumping it out now? Yeah, well, the benefit is that um, this is a platform that we have two, three years development on with the Halcyon. Right. And so the, the, the as far as like engine fueling system, all that stuff it's the electricals are all completely time yeah you know that that's, works that's already. why for us this the the main really my main concern with it is you've got to nail the suspension yeah uh, that's yeah. going to be that's where it's different the, the wheels well we, we're going to be using incredibly high quality you know aluminum dirt bike wheels so i know we got that on lockdown but yeah. now it comes down to how is this suspension going to feel off-road right. and that was one of the things that we were this is a great opportunity last weekend. The um, guys up at the moto camp, I think Charlie said that almost no one there was a street biker. They were all dirt bike riders. They didn't even ride on the road. Um, <laughs> and we let everybody ride it and got some fantastic feedback. And most of it revolved around the suspension exactly as I had yeah. anticipated. Um, we need more, we need softer initial spring rate and we need a little more travel, stuff like that. Stuff that you that I, uh, we were all expecting to hear. Sure. Um, so, so yes, we do at this point have the confidence, and we, um, yeah, we have the confidence to be able to say, this thing's going to be awesome. Um, we, we've got a weight on it, and the weight, I mean, like a poundage, and boy, we are going to really give folks a run for their money with the weight. This is a 320 pound uh, motorcycle, so that's wow, okay. I think the 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 Royal Enfield, I believe, is 430 pounds. You want me to look it up? <laughs> yeah, look it up. <laughs> I think it's about four, at least 400. Um, uh, all right. Let's see. Royal Enfield. And you're talking about the uh, Himalayan. The, right? Himal the, cur the current Himalayan, not the, the – I don't know what the new one is. I don't either. Uh, let me see. It's the 450. Wait, wait, wait. Here we go. Uh, the Himalayan. All right. Got it. And let's see what it says about its weight. Yeah, because we're only showing the one model right now. So let's look at specs. There we go. What do you think it weighs? I'll say 400 pounds. <laughs> let's see. Uh, Maybe more. Oh, where are they? Oh, the, oh, the specs have, have eluded me. Come on, Ted. You can do it. Uh, specifications is a download. Oh, God. I figured that out. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it. I'm getting Indian. Uh, I'm getting how many locks it weighs or it, weigh, it costs. Uh, here we go. Uh, it weighs, you said 450? That was your guess? Four, 
430. You're close. 439 pounds. 439. Yeah. There you go. That's about as much as my old KLR. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The KLR has to be the ugliest motorcycle on the planet. I mean, I don't know. But it's pretty. <laughs> it grows on you. It grows on you. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. So, I'm not claiming it's beauty. It's a beauty. But, yeah. but your uh, bike is going to weigh how much? Three, three something? Three, we, it's weighed in at 320. Damn. Now, that's with fuel. And now that's, that's, wet. that's wet running, running right? It's a wet running weight of the prototype. No, I'm now, is, this gonna, everything. is this bike going to be capable for carrying like you know, side panniers in the top box? Yes. Oh, so that's wow. we were actually talking about that today. We had a meeting was like one of the things that we did with the that I think we could have improved on with the Halcyon is we we launched we put everything into launching it. It came out kind of fully flushed, but we had no upgrades and options for it. And right. it's taken us a long time to bring them out because right. we're so busy. And so with this one. I was just talking to a, the whole design team and we're like, we need to be simultaneously working on all the upgrades. So at a bare minimum, it's going to have a bash plate. It's going to have cargo uh, uh, um, panniers and crash bars. Bare yeah. minimum. Yeah. When, when it launches. Wow. Um, now, <laughs> we'll see if that happens, but I'm, I'm, I have high hopes. Oh, man. Uh, so is, I, get, I ima- have to imagine that the, the new uh, Griffin 450 is going to have all the same upgrades available to it on your website when somebody wants to go order the bike. Yeah. So one of the things that is, you know, is interesting we haven't really talked about is that we don't have any dealers and, um, that's kind of allows us. It it, it is. And it isn't. I mean, I think we, we, we're actively looking for dealers right now. I think it would be really nice for what we, we, first of all, it wouldn't be possible for us to exist or to even have gotten off the ground in a pre-internet era without dealers um, and with the investment amount, with the amount of investment we put into this, yeah. we've spent almost nothing compared to most other brands, you know, in a month right. <laughs> just operating wow. um, to, to bring all these things out. But yeah. And we've done well with the direct to consumer model, um, which is why I brought this up is we have a an online configurator that you can visualize your motorcycle right down to all the different pinstripe options and sure. It's a very long menu, but um, yes, yeah, so at the moment we're we, we're kind of exploring like the potential of a kind of hybrid model with a dealer where you can you can maybe order the bike online, but check it out in person or take receipt in person, and the dealer can still make a margin on that. Oh, um, yeah. there's, there's something really wonderful to be said about that personal being able to see something that really fits in with our brand. Um, sure. And if we want to scale, I think working with dealers will be important. I don't think that we want to necessarily, I mean, I'm speaking tentatively here, but follow the complete kind of Tesla only have factory stores all over the country or something like that. I think dealers are, you know, I've, I, it's always nice to be able to see something in person. Sure. And, um, well, you follow, if you follow the, uh, if you go back uh, and look at the history of the way Harley Davidson started their routine, it, they were small. Yeah, yeah. They were they were a little small, tiny barn shop when they started, and just they added a dealer here and there, that kind of a thing. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I mean, you're you're in that same kind of ballpark right now. Just just a little over a hundred years later. Yeah, <laughs> just a little <laughs> bit. Uh, now, aside from the the new, oh, this, I, this is really exciting with the new Griffin 450, but you also have 
uh, this other new bike that well, it's it's a variation of one of your existing bikes, the Origin model, correct? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, in, in all the we've been doing a lot lately. Um, so, the Origin model line is really in, possibly even more exciting for us than the, than even a new model. Um, and the Origin model line came about with one of the the, the, the the side effects of doing all this local manufacturing and hand building something is that the cost is not something that's similar to what's made in China or India, right. speaking of Royal Enfield. Um, and so the retail price of these bikes is significantly higher than what you're paying for a, a mass-produced vehicle. And when you get into this category of small displacement, where we we love not because it's cheap or uh, wimpy, but because it's fun and exhilarating, I guess, is, yeah. is our whole yeah. version of it. It, it. it can be challenging because people, well, I can get, you know, I can get a, a Sportster for that price. Yeah, you and, know, oh, and, my and God. I'd have, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, or, or I could get two, you know, uh, little bikes with that. Yeah. Um, and so, because uh, I'll, Say what the prices are. Our Halcyon 250 starts at. Um, oh, I'm gonna forget our prices. Just there. Is it? Oh, the 250. Now, I, the, I got it. The, I got the website up right now. So you can, can tell me our, <laughs> the original price. 69.95. You tell me what our bike price. Yeah, 69.95. That's, that's the origin. That's the origin price point. But the full custom Halcyon 250 is. Um, look at our website here. Uh, starts. At, no, it's like. Uh, Eighty eight hundred classic Eight thousand eight hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Eight thousand eight hundred dollars. And that allows you to select all the options. And we've been selling bikes at that at that. And that's all the options, all the everything that we we I wouldn't we we don't want to reduce what we do right. to just to make a cheap bike. Yeah. But what we decided was what if we were able to reimagine everything we're doing and without taking anything away uh, i mean i guess like reducing what makes a janus a janus offer something that was less expensive that would be more approachable and more uh that more people could could engage with sure. and so we what we're really what allowed us to do that is by reducing the number of options yes yes it it permits and, and the number of things that are added on to it it permits us to hold more inventory so it's not just the fact that it's less work. It's the fact that we can, uh, we can streamline the whole production process. Right. Be able to and the, the the origin line has been tremendously popular. We're selling quite a few of them, and I'm I'm just excited because I want these things to be accessible. And our goal is not to make these things like super high luxury. You know, only afford. You know, this is a every man's motorcycle. And if right. you come to our owners rally, you'll meet the folks that have Janice's and they're just like everybody, you know, it's just like going to a, any motorcycle rally. You're, yeah. They might be a little weirder than the regular motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, just as an example for, for our listeners, uh, yeah. if you're ordering, if you want to order a, 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 a regular Halcyon 250, the original model, you have the choice of 15 colors. If you want to yeah. order a Origin 250, you have a choice of six colors. So there's as an example of the reduction of the amount of options available for the original. And, and technically, you only have there are only two. The other colors are for an additional charge. 
Right, exactly. Then, right. It's, yeah. uh, the, it's like that tan color, which is really pretty. And then you have the black. That's what my bike is. Yeah, is it really? <laughs> and yeah. then the other four colors, uh, the green, the red, the, I guess I'll call it gray for lack of kind of silver. And then there's the other black, a different, I guess it's a different black. What is it? I don't know. They have a matte black. It's yeah. a, a charcoal. The charcoal is an additional $400 charge. So, yeah. So, I mean, like, there is a reduction in the amount because I, I, believe me, I have got. I have done this. I've built myself a, a bike each time <laughs> on the Janus website, and the the options that are available for the Origin, yeah, they're significantly less. But you can still make yourself a really good looking bike. You really can. Absolutely, yeah. And that was the that was the real goal was how do we do this without um, creating a bike that, it, that isn't what something that we're proud to put out and that right. our customers won't want to have. And so what we ended up with is like, I guess I'll kind of run through the basics. It's, it's, a, it's exactly the same bike as our, our full custom line, right. except it doesn't have pinstripe on the fenders. It, um, it uh, only comes with no, no saddlebags, right. but you're, you're, you, you have the, the, the reason we chose the name origin was it's like a starting point. Right. It's like a blank canvas. And you can add these things at a later date, which is, to me, it's, it's just like the fact that when you buy a, a Janus, you're buying something that will be able to be upgraded. We're going to make upgrades for it as long as we can. Um, awesome. And so all these things, like maybe you got a birthday coming up or you want to give yourself a, a Christmas present. Well, you, you can add that <laughs> on screen or those, yeah. those uh, you know, that tool roll or that, you know, whatever. There's The Halcyon has so many different options and upgrades available for it that... Um, there's an endless list. <laughs> but the, and you, you launched the Origin when? That line. Uh, beginning of last month. Okay. Right in the beginning of the new year. Yeah, oh, it was okay. January. Um, we came out with that. Yeah. And What's the response um, been? The response has been fantastic. It was really, it's really blown us away. I mean, I think we knew it was going to be good to have a less expensive model, but mm-hmm. I think that the, the number of folks that, it also just gets people interested. They're like, oh, you know, this is something that, that's really cool. And then they get on the configurator and they start adding stuff. And they're like, maybe I just want to get a full house. <laughs> it goes the whole way. Well, that's what that's what happened to me. I'm going like, oh, wait a minute. Let me go over to the regular house and look at that. And it's like, let me look yeah. at the two 450 instead, you know, and then you start looking at it and you go like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you can do that. I mean, we, we, we constructed it so that you can. You could make it become a full-on Halcyon. I mean, minus something like fender pinstripe um, and a couple of other little details. But um, I think if you add it all the way up, it's a little more expensive to add everything than it is to just have it built as the exactly. full, full bike. Um, I want to talk about. Oh, I do want to talk about you. The pin. The, the, yeah. the pinstriping is that is that hand? That's all done by hand, right? All done by hand. Yep. Oh Every God. bike that must take forever. Yeah, we have, we've had for many years um, a woman Kelly who has done all of our pinstriping. Mm-hmm. Um, starting about a year and a half ago, she's got an understudy who's now able to do all the pinstriping as well. And so we have two trained pinstripers, but um, that means from the pin every fender has pinstripe on it on the full line. Every fuel tank has a pinstripe. Every the 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 logo on the fuel tank is pin, hand painted. It has. Uh, the model name on the airbox mm-hmm. is all done done in hand by hand, and our our 450 model line has a pretty complex 
tank graphic, a big feather <laughs> yeah. down the side. A big feather, um, yes. It's quite a lengthy process to paint. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, they're all hand-painted. And then you added the uh, engraved uh, gas cap also. Is that relatively yeah. new, or is that something that you've gone uh, We've done that for a long time. Actually, yeah. I think the first bike we did, we did it. We, we've gone through different processes. Um, yeah. We used a routing machine initially, and now we use a laser um, engraving process, which is incredible. We can take any um, – if a customer has like a – we've had a lot of military insignia from military units that folks have been in or or their logo or oh. just a image that they like, and we can convert that for you and make a, a – a gas cap and we actually just recently it's a big project we've been going through is um purchased a laser that we can actually do that in-house now oh uh, look at that so see quick turnaround yeah, yeah keep, keep, keeping it right at home let me ask you this question um is is the is the halcyon something that you would like ride cross country with the 450 the 450? Yeah. I mean, I've done it on a 250. The 450, I would look forward to the, the comfort. I mean, it's a it would be it would be a great experience. What about um, the adding a I windshield? Would, is that something you could do to this? Is that a windshield? Is that something yeah. you Yeah. So we're coming out with a lot of upgrades. <laughs> okay. And I actually was working on our windscreen today. Uh, we've launched la- this last week. We launched three upgrade lines: highway bars, uh, upgraded seat, and what else? Oh. Aluminum fenders. We now have polished aluminum fenders that you can purchase. Anyway, lots of upgrades. But one of the upgrades that I'm working on is a windscreen. And the reason that I'm only getting to it now is that the 250 really doesn't need a windscreen. Uh, you're just in my ex- I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it's the speeds it's capable of, or the I don't I don't know what it is. But I've never felt the strong need for it. But the first thing I realized when I was going 70, 70, 80 miles an hour on that 450 is I was. I was just getting blown off the bike. Now I'm a very large guy. I'm six six, so oh my. <laughs> I get a little more Dude. more wind resistance. But um, uh, windscreen is we we have some prototypes that are we bought a yeah. bunch of different windscreens. And we tried them out, and man, it just makes a tremendous difference. So oh, on the yeah. 450 house hand, if you plan on longer distance riding or really anything above 70 miles an hour yeah. for an extended period, I would say a windscreen. Highly recommended. A lot of our customers have installed their own. Yeah. Uh, but we are about to launch a fantastic-looking, very traditional windscreen with a wax canvas. Um, it'll come with wax canvas or a leather skirt around the headlight. Right. Um, very, very traditional. It'll look like something from the. It would look at home on a military bike from the 1940s. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, because you know I'm I'm completely 100% in favor of doing motorcycle rides on the most inappropriate bike for the situation, you know? So if yep. that means uh, taking a Halcyon on a dirt road for an extended length of time, absolutely. Well, you've seen Charlie's videos, so you can know you can, you can do <laughs> off-roading with too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Um, how does it feel to be one of a few American-made motorcycles? It's kind of surreal. Like we kind of, when we first got on the call, you know, we, I was, I was saying, uh, sometimes it's, it's hard to, to, to see where you are when, when you're so, we're so involved every day. It's such a, we have about 20 people and we're building yeah. hundreds of bikes a year. Um, you're just constantly busy um, doing stuff, but it is a pretty phenomenal thing to think about, especially when you think that we were founded in 2011 we're, 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 we've been in existence longer than like 90% of motorcycle brands. 
<laughs> if you count wow. all of them, the ones yep. that went out of business. Wow, that's, a, mint, that's interesting. I mean, so many brands have got, have come and gone. It's yeah. incredible. So really proud there. Um, my Our um, president and marketing director, um, Grant, was just out at AIM Expo, the dealer yeah, expo yeah, in yeah. Vegas yeah. this weekend. And he and he was he just came back really like saying, "Man, there's so many new brands out there with electric, especially with the electrification yeah. um, of the market." Yeah. And he goes, "It's really amazing to think that a lot of these brands are starting with no background in in motorcycling, and you know here we are, a new brand, but we have fifteen, you know, sixteen hundred bikes under our belt, twelve years of manufacturing. Yeah. It is kind of interesting." Um, we aren't really, I mean, we're certainly pretty new. Not many people have heard of Janus, but we're, in, in some ways, we've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> you ha- you know, you have been. You guys have been around for a long time. And it just surprises me that more people don't know about you. And it just, it, I'm hopefully this podcast, this, this particular episode and you know, the previous one, will get yeah, the word absolutely. out more, you know. Um, does it bother you that some people consider you guys a, a, a boutique bike? A little bit. I mean, I don't know what that. I'm not sure what that means, honestly. Um, I think I've always been interested in making something that wasn't mass produced. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I but but I'll, but I'll counter that with the fact that I've also always been interested in something that wasn't custom. Like from the from the very back to that Paragon moped we built. We wanted to do a run of them, yeah. and I, I find so much value in a production thing rather than, like, you know, motorcycles lend themselves to customization, and there's kind of like this ideal sure. of the, the guy with the angle grinder, you know, <laughs> but that doesn't really get my creative juices flowing. Mike, I get excited when I can make 15 of something, and on the 16th, it's exactly the way you want it, yeah. and you gradually <laughs> just make it better yeah. and better and better. Right. But when you kind of apply like assembly like forward level mass production it really loses it it loses its personality though yeah yeah and and these bikes i think one of the reasons that people like them is that they are an expression of just an incredible amount of skill and passion and involvement i mean the builders that make these bikes are just like so engaged with the things they're making yeah that i think that rubs off and it will it's not something that 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 will ever depart from that little machine there so the fact if you take boutique in that sense i'm pretty proud of it i think in that in that way um but it's it's if 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 you're saying it's like a bike yeah i mean you guys yeah yeah, you're saying it's like a little that's it yeah yeah, it's not a flash in the pan or something no, like that. No, that, no. that. That would be a derogatory. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, to me, a boutique bike is like uh, Arch Motorcycles, for example, and uh, Confederate Motorcycles, oh. and those guys. First of all, A, you can't afford them, for one. And, you know, who they're not making that many. Uh, but you guys, I think, I think you've got the, you've cornered the market. You really have. I think you've. Well, had. I think what it comes down to is, is we're able to. We're, we're, well, we most of the time able to make money doing it, and I think some of these boutique brands, the the, the thing that people find that doesn't make sense about it, uh, something like that is when it's just, where is the funding for this coming from? Yeah, is this like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, if they're only making this many and they're this much, how does this business even function? Um, and we're a real business that <laughs> yeah. has to, we have to, you know, keep the lights on. You know, <laughs> so we have some, to sell motorcycles. <laughs> well, there's something to be said for staying small. You know. 
Uh, one of the things yeah, I noticed your development costs low. Yeah, one of the things I I, I like about you know, one of the many things I like about your bikes is you put that little um, oh what did it, you, you you're putting the number plate on the uh, on the front oh, fender. No. Does that number that goes on there is that coincide with the production number of that particular bike? Yeah, it ties in really well with our we were just talking about boutique small small production. <laughs> yes, that number. So originally, those little plates were the registration for, I think, even here in the States, um, but certainly in Europe. Yeah. But I, I mean, right back to the very first Janus we built, I was like, that'd be a really cool place to put a serial number. And so, yes, um, if it says JM dash a number, that is the serial number. Now, we also allow people to customize them. So sometimes you'll see like, uh, you know, somebody's initials and their birth date or a significant event in their life or mm-hmm. um, something completely different on there. Um, but if it says JM dash, that is the serial number. No kidding. Because I know I just I did watch <laughs> the video of where uh, the 1000th one that you produced turned out to be like a race number yeah. plate that you did on the front. Yeah, he, he didn't want the um, number plate, the regular ones. We did it over the headlight. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so total. Do you know the exact number of Janus motorcycles that have left your shop? No, I don't. You don't? Uh, <laughs> something like probably 16-something. Um, I could I could do the math. We, we, I mean, we have exhaustive records on it. But as you can tell, I don't even know how much they cost, so uh, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. My God. Uh, so I'll tell you what. You know, how can people learn more about Janus motorcycles? Well, uh Shameless plug here. Uh, you can uh, either go to our website, yes. Go to our YouTube channel, which is where we do a lot of stuff, or you can buy the book I just wrote. The book. Let's talk about the book shortly <laughs> on uh, lightweight motorcycling, which tells you all about our philosophy of riding and why you should invest in something like a Janus motorcycle. But um, primarily, uh, where you can hear about us is JanusMotorcycles.com. Uh, our website and really the place that we we call our dealership is YouTube. We have an extensive library of videos that do everything from telling you about the motorcycle to telling you meeting all the people that build them to all the processes and basically how every bike is built from the fender making to the pinstriping to the how to make the tooling that makes the motorcycle. Yeah. Wow. Let's talk about your book. What what what, okay, what, so, what what made you decide to write that book? Well the what 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 brought this about was looking back at what we've been able to do and trying to come up with a term for what it is that is appealing about small displacement bikes. Um, Why do we do this? Why do we think that it's worth having a motorcycle that's small displacement, but that isn't a budget bike that's, that that is really, you know, it's, it's like a, uh, we, we spare no expense on these little bikes in the sense, and usually lightweight bikes are like cheap. Right. So it's called the Rambler's Companion, and um, <laughs> rambling is what we call what we do, um, which is basically the idea of not, it's more about getting there than it is uh, arriving anywhere. Right. <laughs> the journey is more important <laughs> exactly. than the destination. Yes. Um, and taking your time and enjoying the process. And a big part of that is the reason that we ride motorcycles is not 
like if we want to get from one place to another comfortably and safely, there are lots of ways of doing that that don't involve the dangers of two-wheel travel or the impracticalities of two-wheel travel. And that level of impracticality, of inefficiency, of discomfort, uh, all is this thing that is able to transform us. Right. Um, and so when you ride a motorcycle, you are, I would argue, transforming yourself and, and becoming better. You're, <laughs> you're testing your limits. Yeah. Um, every time you go around a corner, no matter how many times you go around it, if you're a motorcyclist, you'll know that you're always kind of exploring the edge of what, what you can do here. Um, yeah. And even if, you're, even if you're just riding to work or going to get coffee or whatever it is, it's an endeavor that um, is worth doing. And it's worth doing on a vehicle that brings that out in you yeah. more than a car. So that's why I, I think these larger bikes, which are fun, there's nothing wrong with it. But if you're after that experience of transformation, you want something that's visceral that you have sure. to, like your old sportster, you're saying you got to warm it up. You got to use that choke. You got to do all those things yep. to engage with it and riding it. Maybe it's a hardtail. Maybe it has more feel. Uh, that's rambling and so this little treatise is um kind of a defense of that kind of motorcycling nice and um what goes into it a little bit of a guidebook maybe um <laughs> and uh i've had a lot of fun writing it and it will be available in the next couple of weeks on amazon nice. um the rambler's companion and it's uh we're really excited to have a Kind of like a treatise for 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 Janus owners. <laughs> uh, t- well, you, well, two things. Are you going to make an audiobook version? Yes, that will Good. be coming next. Good. And <laughs> are you going to give away each one of those books with a new Janus owner? We're, we're that's one of the one of the ideas we have. Yeah. Well, there you go. Working through all the details. <laughs> I have one more question I want to ask you, and, and this. Yeah. I think I think this will be an, an interesting uh, take. Uh, how does all the new environmental standards and this push towards electric, how does that figure into Janice's future? That's a really good question. Um, so I guess I'll approach it through rambling. And that is, that if you, what is essential? Why do we ride? And what is essential to riding? And I've been asking myself that. I've ridden a lot of electric bikes and I'm kind of a manual transmission guy. Like, I don't like, I like to do everything. I like to feel everything. And I also don't like being told what to do. And I think there is an aspect of the EV thing that's sort of not grassroots. It's not like, yeah, yeah, I, know. I want it. You know, it's like kind of mandated a little bit. And that that's always turned me off. But I will say that there's something really amazing about an electric motorcycle. It's that what, what it can, it's so, it actually, further is that immediacy mm-hmm. talk about like low maintenance talk about um being able to engage with your surroundings there's no, a, lot, a lot less noise there's a lot like off-road riding the potential for electric dirt bikes is really amazing because you can ride and not bug people you can yeah. go all over the place and no one will even know you're there yeah. um and on the road i think um especially for the kind of short excursions that a lot of motorcyclists do that battery life kind of idea makes more sense than for cars even in some situations and i've thought about shifting a lot of motors electric bikes don't have you know even a transmission yeah. um, they have amazing torque <laughs> which is really great for a motorcycle right yeah. um, 
but I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure that shifting is actually what's essential to riding a bike. It's more about that experience of feeling in the moment. So I think there's a lot of room there. Um, I just don't, I don't think that for the rambler is, a, is an independent person no. who wants to do things on their own. And I, I don't think that th- that, that type of person is going to, do hell with being told what to do um, (laughs) or 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 just following a trend and so i think it has to be very intentional but i'm excited about it i think it will be it could be really neat well you know i had the opportunity to ride the uh, harley davidson live wire on a couple occasions and while i love the bike and i'm fascinated by its technology and i had a lot of fun on the bike i did yeah um i i missed hearing the noise i missed like you said missed the shifting and there's, I almost felt disconnected from the bike because I felt like yeah, that was like what I felt yeah, on a zero. I rode a zero many years ago. Yeah. And as I said, I'm like this, it's going, I'm, I'm twisting a throttle and I'm moving, but what's happening here? You know, I just felt yeah. disconnected from the machine. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it'll be different for everybody and, yeah. and, and, and motorcyclists are super traditional conservative folks. So it may take a while for it to yeah. catch on, but I I, look, I think back to mopeds, and they were centrifugal clutch. Now they were noisy, yeah. uh, but <laughs> a little bit. I never you didn't have one. a transmission. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't have a transmission, and it still for me. I think. I think that that could be pretty amazing and, and pretty exciting. Um, and, and the other thing is that I'm one of the benefits of our motorcycles is that they're not intimidating, yeah. and we get a lot of. Well, most of our owners are experienced motorcyclists with all kinds of bikes in the garage but we also get riders who just are turned off by like the biker image you know i don't i don't want to do that i mean i'm not i don't consider myself a a, you know a biker um but 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 i love riding a motorcycle and i think that the electric also could be a doorway i hope it's a doorway into more folks getting into the the, the sport because it's not growing like it used to be um it it does it's, it's not as it is dangerous, to be fair. Well, it is. Yeah, yeah. Inherently, it is. Yes, of course. <laughs> but it's well, worthwhile. More so today than it was, you know, 70 years ago. You know? <laughs> Especially with, like, self-driving cars and all this nonsense. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we won't even talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's dangerous. Yeah. Um, do, you see a, do you see a Janus going electric? I don't know. I think I think it could it could really fit really well with our uh, rambling yeah. mentality. Um it, it, and it would also be really interesting to see what could happen if um, we were able to bring more stuff over to the U.S. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, one of the things I always like like to say is that, uh, you know, we were talking about the ride and all that. Is that uh, we we we're not concerned about about getting there. We're interested in the getting there. Absolutely. You know. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and telling us about your stuff and the new well, bikes you got coming. You know, the the Griffin 450, very exciting. And, of course, the new Origin yeah, uh, line. Ugh. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on again. Um, and I hope we can do this again soon. Absolutely. Uh, we've, all, we've got Absolutely. Lots, of, lots of stuff coming down the pipes. Um, and we're going to be at Sturgis this year in a big way. Um, Are you really? Because I will be there yeah. also. Are you going to be there? We will be there. We've we signed a agreement with with Buffalo Chip. We're going to be uh, featured there, so it'll be really right. exciting. I think they have. I think next year is their 85th um, anniversary. It's a big, big year. So we're going to be there this year and next year. Awesome. And offering test rides and 
all, are all the you holdings. going to, to be see. there? I'm planning on being there at least for part of the time. I have never been to Sturgis. Oh, that, so. well, yeah. I well, I will see you there because well, uh, 2023 was my first year there, and I already made my reservations for 2024. So well, I'm glad that I'm, I will I'm not see that you. far behind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a bit overwhelming. I'll tell you this right away. It's it's, it's a bit I, overwhelming. I've heard. Yes, I've heard. So uh, <laughs> so bring you, you're going to bring a bike with you to ride. We will have multiple bikes. Oh, great. Good. Yeah. Good. Actually, I, I, maybe I'll have an opportunity to ride one then. huh? Well, I hope I absolutely hope so. We should do test rides and I think we're even going to have inventory there. So it'll be, we're going to be there in a big way. Oh, wonderful. Uh, any last words for those who may want to buy a Janus or stop and visit your shop? I would say the main thing is if you're, we're, we're right off of the toll road on the way to Chicago. So I know that's very far away from some people, but, um, if you're in the area, the best thing you can do is stop in. And if you're not in the area, it's a great destination to come visit. We are a small Midwestern friendly group. We like, we give you, we'll show you everything in the shop. Um, that's what we do is tours are happening every day. Um, and, uh, if you're, if you're not in the area and you can't make it get a hold of us, we often will be able to put you in touch with a local owner in your area to check out a bike. If you want to see one in person, um, or you can check out our website, which has, uh, a really cool configurator you can build a bike and if you don't even want to do that and you just want to veg out on the couch and watch videos we have a <laughs> very extensive youtube library yeah with things like charlie riding a halcyon through the colorado mountains and yep. gold painting for gold so lots of fun things to watch your guy went <laughs> oh i saw the one where your guy rode up to the top of pike's peak with it yeah yeah brent our it's our fender maker that um, was oh and then one last thing i'll say is on, i mentioned it really is monday nights I do a, a live stream and we have folks from all over the world oh, really um, uh, joining us there. And so if you do have any questions or you want to learn more, hop on Monday nights at seven. I'm not doing one this Monday, but okay. uh, uh, usually I do. Um, and we now we announce it. The great way to kind of experience the community of right. Janus owners. Monday so, nights at seven. You do the live stream on the YouTube. ramble, the ramble stream, the ramble stream. Oh, and, that's, and that's that's on YouTube. You're doing that, right? It's on YouTube. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's great. Guy Richard, thank you very much for joining me here. Don't go anywhere. I want to talk to you when we're done. And uh, oh, okay. I look forward to having you back and seeing you up in Sturgis. Sounds good. All See right. you then. See you. Recommend podcast is supporting David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. If you would like to help me be a part of something that actually makes a difference, donate today to David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. Go to davidsdreamandbelieve.org to donate. Links will also be in the show notes. And the Gold Star Ride Foundation. Hey, we're helping families of fallen soldiers making a difference in the lives of those left behind. If you'd like to be a part of a great cause and get some heartfelt miles, and get on over to goldstarride.org and learn how you can participate in the next gold star ride and we're helping long haul paul peel and complete his mission to ride a million miles for ms he was told years ago that a cure for ms was a million miles away so he decided to ride that million miles to that cure so now you can help him by going over to longhaulpaul.com and donate for his quest for that cure for ms and new to the Motorcycle Men podcast is the Mo Motorcycle Relief Project. Now, they're a 501c3 nonprofit organization that provides relief to veterans and first responders with PTSD and other related issues by taking them on structured week-long adventure motorcycle relief rides. Go to MotorcycleRelief.org to donate or get more information. 
Thank you for joining me and Richard here from Janus Motorcycles here in the V-Twin Cafe where we told us about Janus Motorcycles, their new bikes, and what's coming. Now, you can learn more about Janus by getting on over to JanusMotorcycles.com. Links will be in the show notes and, of course, on the Motorcycle Men website at www.motomenpc.com. Hey, don't forget to get on over to the Ride With Ted and Motorcycle Men YouTube channels and watch many of the videos we have there. If you would also please subscribe and like any of the videos that you watch, that would be a tremendous help to both the channel and, of course, to the podcast. For the rest of the Motorcycle Men team, thanks for listening, kids. And remember, we say stupid crap so you don't have to. Ride safe, kids. <laughs>